I would want people to know that like God has designed their body and it's beautifully and created in such with such intention. And to also know that our world is broken and sometimes we go through really difficult things and hardships and that there's help for them and to know how to get in touch with someone like me. A lot of what I try to do globally is I'll try to find a PT where you are. Tell me where you are. And I'm networked through Instagram and a lot of places that I can say, this is, yes, she's, go see her. She's right down the road from from you. Or, okay, sweet mom in Taiwan, you don't have anybody near you. I'm going to set up a virtual coaching session with you. And I've, I've been able to do that for women too. They know they're not alone in some of the things they're going through and they can take care of their bodies. Welcome to the Women in Work podcast, the show that inspires you to confidently step into your God-given calling and view your work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. I'm Courtney Moore. And I'm Missy Branch. We want to introduce you to women who, through their own unique vocations, are seeing what they do make an eternal difference. And we pray these conversations will inspire you in your own calling to honor God, to image Him to the world through your work, and to leverage your potential for His glory. Thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome everyone to this episode. Today we're interviewing Dr. Tabitha Harder. She is a women's health physical therapist and orthopedic specialist in Brentwood, Tennessee. She received her doctorate of physical therapy degree from the University of Tennessee in 2004. She is a board-certified orthopedic clinical specialist with the American Physical Therapy Association and is trained in obstetrics and postpartum physical therapy. That is a mouthful, but we're excited. (laughs) She is an advocate for women's health and has a private practice in Brentwood, Tennessee, where she provides prenatal and postpartum care for women. That is so incredible. Tabitha is also a pastor's wife and mother of four. She is married to Mike Harder, a pastor of Brentwood Baptist Church. Together, they have four children, Abigail, Violet, Georgia, and Josiah. I love those names. Tabitha, they're so beautiful. Tabitha is active in her local church and serves in various roles. As an adoptive mom, Tabitha values community and support for other foster and adoptive families. She is honored to support women families, and vulnerable children in the Middle Tennessee area as a member of the Foster and Adoption Ministry Team at Brentwood Baptist Church. Tabitha is also a special needs embrace buddy where she volunteers with her oldest daughter on Sunday mornings. They enjoy serving together and being part of a ministry that meets the unique needs of individuals and families impacted by disability. Wow. Wow. We already are like, can we be your friend? (laughs) (laughs) This is so awesome. We're so glad to have you. We are so glad to have you. I've just been looking forward to talking to you both. Well, we're so happy to have you here. And just already, I mean, just by reading your bio, we're just so encouraged by how you Mm -hmm. are letting your light shine uh, right there in Brentwood. So we're so glad you're here. All right. Well, if you you've listened to the show, you know what comes next is our rapid fire (laughs) questions, Tabitha. So as a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? I'm curious if you've ever had someone say this. I wanted to be a cashier at the Piggly Wiggly in my hometown. (laughs) And I would tell everyone that. And I think it was just this bright, cheerful place that I loved going to. It wasn't very crowded. And the sweet lady there would She'd give me a sucker. She had a sticker for me. She'd let me push buttons on her cash register, and I was in. 
It's like, this is what I want to do. We need to add Piggly Wiggly for that right now. Okay. That is so awesome. As I got a little older, like 13 to 14, I I really knew I wanted to be a physical therapist, but the Piggly Wiggly was in the running there for. You are a hundred percent spot on. We have never had anyone say that. That (laughs) But it really makes sense. My four-year-old little girl, like one of her favorite toys right now is a toy cash register. It's the buttons. She let me do it. So I I loved it. I hear you. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, okay. Well, the second question is, what was your first job? My very first real job was in a sporting goods store in my hometown. Okay. I grew up in a small town, the family-owned sporting goods store, and I was a basketball player. Okay. I got to my senior year, and I'd hit major burnout and decided, I don't want to play basketball. I just want a job. So I mm-hmm. showed up at the sporting goods store. And I said, would you please hire me? I don't want to play anymore. I just want to be a kid and have a job. And they were so good to me. They taught me all the things of how you order uniforms and how you work. But they told me, said, if you decide you want to go back and play, you just come tell me and you can, you can go back. Wow. And sure enough, they were so good to me. It was close to the season starting. And I said, you know how you told me that if I really wanted to go back and play, <laughs> that would be okay. And, and they were so good. They said, we, we can't wait to watch you play. Oh, so awesome. I honestly thought you were going to say your first job was at Piggly Wiggly, but it was good. <laughs> I should have marched in there and said, I'm your girl. <laughs> okay. Well, Tabitha, what kind of work do you want to be doing when you are 80? I really want to be one of those ladies in the NICU that just rocks babies. Oh, I love oh, that. Yes. I, that's really a job. Sometimes I've heard that is needed and I love babies so much. I would do that in... In my 80s, oh, like heart put me in a rock yes. baby. That's, that's such a, a good great idea. idea. We can all do that together. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be my new goal for when I'm 80. Yes. I like that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So in this part of the conversation, we love to learn more about you. We would love to know, like, where did you grow up and where have you lived most of your adult life? And then share with us how briefly how you came to faith. So I grew up in Columbia, Tennessee, which is about 40 miles south of Nashville. And it's a smaller town. I played a lot of basketball growing up. That was a big part of just what I was known for in my community. I wasn't, I wouldn't call myself a Christian growing up in Mm -hmm. my home. We were very infrequent in the church. I was a good kid. I was one of the kids, people really like, oh, this Tabitha, I want want you to be friends with her. But Christ was not the centerpiece of my home. I moved to Memphis when I went to physical therapy school. And that's really where I honestly can say like the Lord pursued me. Mm. And so I was on, I was into my twenties before I was really like following the Lord. And I'm so thankful because I went to PT school and I had some really good roommates around me that for the first time modeled what it looked like to follow Jesus. I didn't, I'd never seen that before. And it's funny, my best friend, I can remember waking up one morning, she had her Bible out and I stopped because I thought something has happened. She's got that book out. Wow. And I asked her, like, are you, are you okay? Like, is everything okay? And, and she said, I'm, I'm, I'm just reading my Bible. And so I, I didn't understand that. My roommates were so good. They answered some wow. simple, but like really big questions that I had. Like, what do you mean you talk to God or you hear from him? I don't know what you mean when you say you experience God. And so they they truly like walked with me and took me to a young adult Bible study where I met my husband. That's where I met Mike. Wow. And the, yes. 
he grew up on the mission field, but he ended up in Memphis for seminary. And I was there for PC school. And so later I was a baby Christian, but I met him in our church and this would be a whole different podcast, but we planted a church and got married in the same year. Wow. An adventure. Oh my goodness. Yes. And that church was your baby. (laughs) Everything at the same time. Um, But that's what moved us back to middle Tennessee. He planted a church in Nashville. And so I really, the Lord has just grown me through all of the roles that yes. he has just slowly. Wow. wow. That's a lot for a first year of marriage too. And a new Christian. I didn't know any different. In fact, there were yes. people who would say, are you ready to be a pastor's wife? Oh. And I would think, I don't know what that means. Right. I know what it means I, now. I think. I guess was, I am. I am what it is, right? Yes. <laughs> the Lord's goodness that I just eased in not knowing right. what. The future with that's no awesome. Well, that's so, I love that story. Thanks for sharing your story there. Yeah. Okay. You. So we we read that you are a physical therapist. You do a lot of work with um, women who have just had babies. So tell mm-hmm. us just just fill us in. Like what 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 do you do, and what are the challenges of these women that you meet with, and and how do you help them? Just tell us about your job. So my initial background out of school was just orthopedics. I was an mm-hmm. orthopedic specialist in the spine and pelvis, and I was off and running until I had my own babies. And after Mm -hmm. my second daughter was born, I was diagnosed with a large abdominal separation, diastasis recti, and an umbilical recti. Mm -hmm. And I thought, how did this happen? I I have a doctorate degree. I have a board specialist. I'm a college athlete. Like, how did I get here? And it was through that that my training education really started focusing more into the pelvic health and especially on the prenatal side of things and postpartum recovery and how to bridge back into fitness. And I think my journey through that just illuminated for me. There are other women that are in a hole and don't know how to get out. Like, like I was in the hole. Mm -hmm. That is as honestly how I started my career as I came out of my own recovery and got to a place where I felt strong again and empowered again. And I felt like my education had kind of put the pieces together I had this moment of reflection where I I told God, if you put someone in front of me, if there's another woman out there who's going through what I just went through, like you can use me and I will, I'll help them. Mm. And that's how my career honestly started was just having the heart of, I don't know anybody else who's gone. None of my friends had gone through what I was going through. And so I thought, okay, God, if there's one more out there, like just bring her to me and I, I know how to help her now. Wow. And so a lot of women end up with me sometimes in their second delivery. They've gone through an experience like mine, or they had a traumatic birth, or they had another mom that said, you should go see a PT. They can help you. You shouldn't be leaking on yourself. That's that's common, but not normal. Someone can help you. Or I know you had a traumatic birth. Go see a PT before you deliver your baby. They'll show you some of my obstetrics training really prepares women how to prepare your pelvic floor for birth so that you don't have tearing, so that you don't end up with a prolapse or all the things that women sometimes walk blindly through. And so I can get on a soapbox about it, but it just became such a passion of mine to want to like get into that space and help other women. Wow. Fascinating, really. Yes. I kind of want to go back for a second. You said Mm -hmm. you were diagnosed with, say the term one more time, Mm-hmm. Diastasis recti. So it's an, a separation of the abdominal muscles. 
and the fascia between there, it just gets really thin. And sometimes it can have a hole there. And some women may be, their genetics can set them up. So I didn't know that even going into it. I thought, what did I do? How did I end up here? I don't know how to help myself. And with that, a lot of times there's back pain and you continue to look pregnant. That was one of the things I was like, I still look pregnant. Yeah, I still look pregnant. And that's a lot of times women come to me and they're like, I still look pregnant. I had no idea my pelvic floor had anything to do with that when I was going through it on my own. And a lot of other women don't either. Um, breastfeeding and hormones can really affect that tissue down the middle and make it stretchier. And so a lot of women are returning to fitness without any kind of guidance and they're making, they might be making it worse. And so it really just light bulbs for me of like, oh my goodness, there's so many holes around women's health when it comes to obstetric and postpartum that I'm going to change this. That's (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, it is so... It is so interesting to me how the Lord uses people's personal stories to really guide them through things. Like it is just so beautiful because now you're not coming at this with just this clinical like thought processes, but you're, it's very personal. And I've experienced some of the things I'm, I have four kids. And so I've experienced some of the things you're saying. And I'm like, yeah, this was not a conversation that anybody had with me. No. <laughs> Nobody's no. having this conversation. Right. Actually. A lot of women are fumbling through it in the dark. You and say I have 99% of women are fumbling through yes. it in the dark. I mean, the only reason I had ever heard of your diagnosis, is because I had, I do have a friend who had the same thing, but yeah. until her, I had not heard of that. I didn't know, yeah. but she was going through the same. She still looked pregnant. She couldn't get rid of her, her belly. And, yeah. you know, I don't even so know how so she did it. But. For women. And a lot of the women that I work with now, they're, they feel bad about that. They're like, I feel bad that I'm so self-conscious. Right. They're also in physical pain because oh. they're straining their back a lot. Their abdominal walls not, doesn't have good integrity. And a lot of times they have, and myself included, they have postpartum anxiety or postpartum depression. And so it's, it can be a nasty cycle that women feel stuck in a lot of times. And so it is a joy for me to sit with women in those hard times of their life, because I can say like, I've, I've been there, I have been through this and I'm going to help you. Mm, Wow. So let me ask you this. You said earlier that you wanted to be a, um, physical therapist, like when you were eight, because I think about like, had you not followed that track, then when you got, went through what you went through, you wouldn't have had the pieces in those light bulb moments. So what inspired you all the way back at like eight or nine to even want to go into physical therapy? It's, it kind of goes back to like things you go through. And I just Mm -hmm. think God used that. I was diagnosed with scoliosis when I was really young. So playing basketball, I went through a screening process and I have a pretty significant curve in my spine. And they flagged me in, in a physical process and sent me to, to physical therapy. And I spent time there and I just thought, this is fascinating to me. I really want to know what they know. And they look like they're having fun. And that was really the intro for me wanting to be a PT. And I ended up back there with ankle sprains and knee injuries yes. from an athlete. Yes. I just lived in PT. Yes. Yes. This is what I'm going to do. I never wavered from that. I just wow. like, I'm going to be a PT. Oh, I love that. Wow. So what is your favorite aspect of this work? For me, I think I sit with women in this room every week and they, a lot of times are tearful and they'll say, I feel like God brought me right to you. Wow. And I'll cry sometimes because yes. I'll say, he did, he did. And I'm with you. I'm here. We're going to get, I'm going to walk you through this. That's the best part of my job and helping women sometimes where they feel most vulnerable 
just seeing them like get their spark back yeah. and get back to doing what they love doing again. That's, that's the joy of my job that I don't feel like I'm working. I just, I love what I do. What you're describing, what I'm hearing is almost like this common thread of maybe discouragement or fear or, you know, that all of these different women are going through. And like Courtney was saying, like, that's probably like 90% of women after they give birth and have issues, they have no clue. What message do you want most women to hear in terms of their health, no matter what season they're in? And then, um, I don't know if you could follow it up with like actions you feel are crucial for women to begin implementing. Yes. One thing I'm really passionate about, I want women to have better support through their life stages. Mm. And some of that's even puberty. I mean, the body starts to change and that's when scoliosis kind of popped up for me. A lot of times that's where it presents, but really through prenatal, postpartum and perimenopausal stage, that's when our bodies are changing. Hormones are changing things. And after age 30, we're on a decline with muscle mass and bone mass. And so uh, a lot of women just, they don't know. It's like, you don't know until someone tells you. And I sit with a lot of women now who will say, no one told me that. So I would love for women to know, just build your tribe. And especially mm-hmm. if you're pregnant, like meet with a pelvic floor PT. I'm obstetrics mm-hmm. trained. There's sprinkled throughout the country, obstetrics, mm-hmm. have a doula if you can, have a counselor if you can, like really build your tribe so that you can go through that I think myself included, and you ladies may have felt this way too, I just had no idea what my body was going to go through being pregnant and recovering. And and so I want women to hear that. Like, it's a bigger deal. Yes. <laughs> it's a bigger deal. The other thing I would say is that most women, all they know of postpartum is, oh, I go at six weeks and I get cleared. Mm-hmm. And that's right. really where I try to put some education and that's a medical clearance that's your organs healed okay. And that has nothing to do with anything musculoskeletal or orthopedic. And so some of our professional organizations are starting to recommend that women check in with a provider at three weeks. So I think things like, thank you, like they're slowly moving forward. But for women to know, like check in with a pelvic floor PT, don't assume that what you're experiencing is normal. So what are some of the dangers? I'm just following up on what you're saying here. You know, if you're ignorant like I was and most women are, yeah. I mean, you're just really like your world just changed because you now you have a mm-hmm. human to care for. Your body mm-hmm. is just, I had two C-sections. You yeah. know, you are just laid out. Um, what are the dangers of really not taking care of your your body? Like, you know, if you wait till six weeks, like what are what are we missing? So for me as an orthopedic specialist, when I was going through this, I thought this feels silly because we don't treat any other part of the body this way. Even having a cesarean, that's a major wow. abdominal surgery. Yes. Any other surgery, like you have a pre-op visit and then you have immediate postpartum care. Even if you have a massive rotator cuff tear and you maybe you can't use your arm for six weeks, you still go straight to PT. They're going to tell you how you can sleep without hurting your shoulder, how you can move your neck and your elbow so other injuries don't present themselves while you're protecting what they reconstructed. And so for our women, 
especially with the cesarean, they go home. Sometimes you have older kids too. You don't oh, know yeah. how to lift. You, you can't to lift. Out. I didn't know that. That was the only thing I knew. Do not lift. <laughs> um, scar, a lot of times, like I want women to know how to begin early scar mobility that they can do early so they don't have hypersensitivity. Yeah. So they don't have a lot of extra tugging and things that pop up after six weeks. Some women, they get home after vaginal delivery and they find their pelvic organ prolapse, which is a descent of one or more of their organs, sometimes all the way out. They find that on their own. They're terrified. Oh my gosh. And they don't know what to do. And they don't, they're, they're trying to figure out breastfeeding and again, postpartum depression. And they're walking through that in the dark. And so, um, yes. So not knowing how to, well, if I feel heaviness in my pelvic floor after I get birth, what does that mean and what can I do about it? So I like to see women early. So if you feel this, this is what I want you to do. If you experience this, contact me, things like that. Women need to have more guidance and more of a, more of a plan, more of a protocol in place, just like we treat everything else in the body. Can I ask you, so separate from even having given birth, mm-hmm. I know women who have a lot of hernias, right? Like I went thinking I had, I was like, something's wrong with my stomach and I don't know what's wrong. I ignored that for yeah. 13 years. Oh, Missy. <laughs> 13 years of, I mean, something's wrong with my stomach, but like, what am I supposed to do? Life goes on. Ain't we'll get with that. We'll time get for that. Yeah. <laughs> Until it was to the point where I could like certain, sometimes just it would take my breath away, the pain. Yeah. And when I finally went, there was multiple hernias and I still have hernias. And so like, what, what, how do you, even that I think is a thing that women just don't, we just don't know. We haven't been told. We we don't know. (laughs) And they haven't been a lot of just, again, pressure, like how you go home and you don't know how to get up off the floor with a baby or out of your bed. And a lot of that pressure continues to, to cause a hernia. And then multiple hernias. And so if women just knew, like if they just had formal education or immediate postpartum care to talk them through that, a lot of that could be very preventable or minimized. And so that's where my soapbox comes in because I have And and not just women, too. I think like sometimes I think that we waste time in in like middle school, elementary school and high school giving information that they don't need and not having the conversations that we do need. And like. This is the kind of conversation that is not even just for the women, because there's a man in this house, right. hopefully, who would know, hey, wait, 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 you're not supposed to do that, right? This is not, yeah. but yeah. we're both yeah. conscious we of this thing. Team. That's why you need that. Right. Yes. husbands in so they even know how to help you. Absolutely. Absolutely. A lot of women who may have an episiotomy or they have a traumatic vaginal delivery end up really struggling with intimacy with their spouse. Wow. Sure. They don't know that that's not normal. That's yeah. a muscular repair that just happened when they so and so. A lot of women suffer in silence in that for a lot a long time. And I try to catch them early and say, yeah. if you run into this after you deliver your baby, you come talk to me because that's not normal, and I will help you. And and so that's again another part of the joy of my job when I sit with women and they're able to resume that intimate part of their marriage without pain. You are helping women in all kind of ways, Tabitha. I love what I do. I know. Well, just as you were talking about some of the things we should know, I just want to know, do you have a book yet? Like, I need to read the Right. (laughs) Where is this written down? And you need to, you know, these these hospitals need to just start, like, buying your book and, like, passing it out, right? Um, Well, at some point, you transitioned to your own practice. How did, why did you want to do that? How did you come to that decision? And like, what's been the biggest difference you've seen in in just having your own practice? 
oh my goodness, so many things. But I worked in a mainstream physical therapy space in Nashville for about 13 years. And again, once I had my own babies, I started to really just see everything I'm telling you. And I wanted to build it. I said, let me, let me build the postpartum program. Can I round? Like, can I go in with the OBs? Like I really was just like, let me go. And there were so much limitation, so many limitations in the setting that I was in that I just, that's where I really thought, well, I'm just going to help whoever God brings to me. And so it started as a side business (laughs) because I thought I'm just going to help. Like friends would talk and they would say, you need to see Tabitha. And so I would help that one Mm -hmm. mom. And that began to grow and began to grow. And I saw God really in that with me. And I thought, I'm going to make the jump. We were also in the process of adopting. And I thought, I just really like, does it exist? Can I create this job where I can be fully present with my family when I need to be and fully present with these moms when I want to be? I feel like I could just do a better job at both. Wow. And what if I could have a business and I can go to her home, which is a lot of what I do. I see women in their homes in those first three weeks. They can't get out to come to me. And so I just thought, I just want to make this my own job. And and the Lord allowed that. I've been so thankful, but that's really how I started to shift into the private practice world. And I love it so much. It's given me a lot of freedom to fully treat the way I want to, and then to also be with my family when I want that's to. Amazing. I think what we haven't fully said then, like we said it, but didn't, but like you are a doctor, you have a PhD you have a business though. Like you're also a business owner. That's right. And like, that's crazy because, you know, you hear practice and that means we think you just walk in and you do stuff, but like, that means all of it, like all the things have to be done because you own a business and that's not small. Yes. And I've literally just stepped into it one piece at a time. Mm -hmm. I have no marketing skills. (laughs) I have like, you, I, I couldn't figure out the video thing. Like my husband has helped me tremendously. It's like, can you build me a web? I think I need a website. Can you build right. me a website? Wow. I think I need this. He helps me. Like he's been my biggest cheerleader. I'm so thankful for him. But it truly has, like the Lord has just led me one piece at a time where it would have felt so overwhelming if you had told me years ago, like, why don't you start a private practice that, that just felt very intimidating. But literally I just, took the one piece at a time and now I'm sitting in this room. <laughs> that's, that's really so encouraging. encouraging. Yes. Yes. Because women probably have dreams on their heart and they just think, how can yeah. I do this? And it's just one little baby step at a time. And, you yes. know, I go back to what you said at the beginning where you just said that you had a willingness. God, if, yeah. if you'll use me, I'm just willing. Yeah. And he said, I'll take you. I'll take he that willingness. Word. Yeah, I'll take <laughs> it. And I'll lead you step by step. And it, yes. and he did it. Tabitha, what do you think is the future of women's health? Like, what do you see on the horizon for women? I am hopeful because there, there are enough obstetrics and postpartum therapists like me sprinkled through the country that are saying things need to change. Like this mm-hmm. isn't okay. We need to make this better. I'm really hopeful that we'll see things slowly change where you will see a postpartum specialist before you leave the hospital. You will have, I call it prehab, but you'll have a prenatal obstetrics visit to fully prepare you before you give birth. So you know what to expect. I'm hopeful. I think seeing the American College of Gynecology change their guidelines and recommend three weeks checking in with someone is a really big step of awareness. 
And so I look forward to the future, hopeful for that. And even around perimenopausal women that will start to see more support in that is that's next. That's another big change. Your body's, we're, you know, I'm like, I'm, 40 yes. years. I'm like being prepared for that when you get to that point. That was a question I was going to even ask you when you think about women's health. I think just in general, we only focus on you gave birth and like mm-hmm. you, how do you function in that? But we don't have the conversation on what does life look like before? What do I, the healthy decisions do I need to be making? And then when these other major changes happen in my life that I've never even heard the words about. I recently, someone was like, Oh, Google all this stuff. This will change your life. And I was like, why is this? Why do I have to, why are we not talking about this? Right. Yes. Most of the women that come to me, they like another mom told them. Yeah. You know, it's not like just standard of care. And that's, that's the big thing that I hope it just becomes standard of care for all women and not just women who may be in a fitness group together that say, no, somebody can help you or you should go check this out. You know, that's yeah. the, wow. the one f- good thing about social media has been that it's brought moms to sure. me. Do you guys feel like sort of the hush hush nature of this, does this harken back to, you know, I don't know, the fifties where it's like, no one talks about sex. Women especially yeah. don't talk yeah. about the things that are private and intimate. Yes. It's it's taboo. I mean, do you think that's what this is stemming from? I do. I think on a lot of different areas, even, and I treat some women who, because they didn't talk about it, they didn't have enough conversations in a healthy way about yeah. sexual health before they got married. There's a condition called vaginismus. And I had never heard of that until I entered into this workspace, but a lot of even Christian women who have heard the purity and they've really tried so hard to wait until they got married, but they didn't have a lot of good education. And then they have so much pain. They have so much pain on their honeymoon night and different things. They don't know what to do about it. And they're alone and no one's told them a pelvic floor PT can really help you with that. So I think on that side of things, I really want to see things get better. And then also just the intimacy piece on on the flip side of having a baby, no one talks about that. Mm-mm. And our, like our moms and our grandmothers, I think just culturally this idea that, oh, well, if you have a lot of babies or you have a big baby or you get into your sixties, it's just very common that you will pee on yourself. Yeah. And so I talk to women all the time and I just, no, no, that's not normal. That's not, that's not the case. And a, and a PT can help you with that. And so slowly women will tell other women, but the messaging from just culture and generations handed down is is really limiting, you know? Yeah, it really is. So one of the things I hear you saying is that this conversation is not just about women who are pregnant or having babies. Like, because there are reasons why women who just getting married or who have had injuries, who have experienced things but can't quite say or don't know who to talk to about it. They don't don't know where to go with it. You really don't. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's that's really good information. Well, and I feel like, too, even just for single women to know what is going on your body. Right. I mean, the menopause is, I mean, the education, I'm like, where is it? I don't know. I I don't have any education. I mean, literally, it's Google. It's sad. Women, we we need It it really is, especially when you really are experiencing like this woman is going through hot flashes. What does that mean? What is going on in my body? Right. Right. There's a lot of changes and a lot of injuries, perimenopausal, that can be avoided too. 
So one of the things we love thinking about on at Women in Work in general is how we can image God or really reflect who mm-hmm. He is through our work. And um, how do you feel like through your work, you're able to do that? I think for me, and the longer I've walked with the Lord and I've seen just how He's wired me and the spiritual gifts He's given me, I see how He uses me in my unique workspace to love on these women. And anything I shared, just things that I've been through in my personal life, but God was with me and he brought people around me. And I tell my kids all the time, like hard things will happen in this life. And this is a Mr. Rogers quote, but like, look for the helpers. And so I feel at times that God is using me as a helper Mm. in this unique environment that I'm in. And I get to show a picture to these women, like God loves you so much. He did bring you here. He designed you this way. I'm going to help you. Like it's, it's a joy for me to show them that God loves them and that they're not alone while they're going through these things. Well, just with the word helper, I immediately think of the Holy Spirit. Um, That's what he is. He is our helper. And the fact that God not just cares about their heart, but he actually cares about our bodies. Um, He made these bodies for us to function and serve him and live in, to do all the things he's called us to do. And he cares about their bodies. And I love that he's using you to help them. I mean, it's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much. Tabitha, what is crazy is that this sounds like it would be like the biggest part of your life, but we know that your life includes so much more. You're also a pastor's wife. You're the mom of four. Was there ever an expectation from others or even within yourself that you needed not to work outside the home? Yes. And this may have come largely from within, but when I married my husband, and again, I was a new believer at that point, but the I feel like the message I kind of picked up along the way was that a lot of pastor's wives didn't work Mm. or I should figure out a way to be part of his calling. And so, and I even asked my husband, is it okay if I keep working as a physical therapist? You know, I didn't know. I truly didn't know. And I think like, oh my goodness, look what I would have missed if I didn't see God's calling for me too. Um, And I think sometimes the expectation people may put on a pastor's wife is that she's, she's attached with him and his calling. And so I felt a little bit of both what I didn't know, but then also sometimes I think expectations when people don't understand like a pastor's wife, she's a daughter of Christ. She has her own gifting and her own calling and he has work for her to do too. And so I definitely felt that. That is beautiful because I do think that there is this, like none of us have been given as wives, moms, pastors, wives, all these different roles. Like nobody handed you a job description (laughs) (laughs) and said it's supposed to look exactly like that, right? (laughs) For each woman, God is doing a thing. For each couple, for each um, path, God is doing a thing. And so it is beautiful to say, it's okay that I'm doing this this way if I really sense that God has called us to do it. Yes. I'm so thankful my husband too. We had, you know, we had this conversation early in our marriage. And I say, is this okay? And he, he truly is my biggest cheerleader, but he said, of course, I want you to be the best PT you can be. And I see how God has wired you. So yes, go do it. You know, mm-hmm. and he really has, he's championed me every step of the way in starting my career and even starting a private practice. That's incredible. Well, you mentioned earlier that social media has been a big part of women um, kind of learning about what you're doing. Um, I think you have 
29,000 followers on Instagram and you have all these great videos on there to really practically show women, okay, here's physically what you need to be doing. How yeah. has, you know, social media itself is a whole, it's a it's whole thing. thing. <laughs> so how do you feel like you have navigated um, that world in a way that's been healthy for you and not get too sucked into it? I don't even know how much time you spend, you know, preparing videos and such. Um, how do you kind of think through that? Well, the funny joke in my house is that I accidentally became an influencer because that was not my intention. <laughs> and I mean, literally my Instagram account began when I said like, God, you can use me. I'm going to let people see my story, let them see what I've been through and see if I can be an advocate and encourage another mom. And it started to grow. And I thought, what is God up to with this? And I hadn't started a private practice yet. I just thought, well, this is interesting. I don't know if I'm this creative, but like right. this is really growing. And I was connecting with PTs globally, which is really like yeah. I have some women. I do coaching as well virtually in Taiwan and South Africa wow. and in different places. They don't have access to pelvic floor PT. And just wow. from the education, Goodness. the internet has connected me to women all over the world. So these small things started happening and I could just feel God was in it. So I kept going. And my business came out of that, but it is, it is a challenging space. And I've, I've looked at it. I don't want to attach myself to being an influencer. Like God may tell me to put Instagram down tomorrow and I, and I will. So I don't necessarily want to be caught up in like growing it. Mm -hmm. I have to keep some boundaries on myself that this is the, this is a space the Lord has put me in and I'm going to try to be salt and light in this corner of Instagram. That, that I'm in with these, these women who are drawn to my account. And I have to have boundaries because it's work for me. I think of it that way. Like if I'm creating content or I'm engaging with this audience, those are my work hours. I don't want to be attached to my phone all of the time. And so I do have to be careful with that. If my, especially my kids see me, I make sure I tell them I'm helping another mom or I'm working on this video and I try to show them a little bit of what I'm doing and then I'm going to put my phone down. And I really try to do that so that I'm not drawn into some of the negative things that can come with being on social media. And the last thing I would say is that it can be challenging to be a Christian and engaging in like a large audience. I really try to do my best to just honor God everywhere he places me. And social media is just one, of, it's a different, it's another place that he's allowed me to be in and to kind of influence the culture there. And so in the way I engage and the way I communicate with people and the music I attach to my reels, I really try to be honoring in all the ways that, that I can. Perfect. I love it. Um, one of the things that you just said that to me that was really, really beautiful was just how um, technology has allowed you to be able to meet the needs of people around the world with your coaching. What is one nugget that you would give everybody? Like, what is the thing if, if you were, say you were coaching all of our listeners right now, what is that one nugget you would give them about your work or about health? About my work or about their health? Yes. Yeah. I think I, I would want people to know that like God has designed their body and it's beautifully and created in such, with such intention and to also know that our world is broken and sometimes we go through really difficult things and hardships mm -hmm. and that there's help for them and to know how to get in touch with someone like me. A lot of what I try to do globally is I'll try to find a PT where you are. Tell me oh, where you are. Great. And I'm networked through Instagram and a lot of places that I can say, this is, yes, she's 
go see her. She's right down the road from, from you. Or, okay, sweet mom in Taiwan, you don't have anybody near you. I'm going to set up a virtual coaching session with you. And I've, I've been able to do that for women too. Wow. They know they're not alone in some of the things they're going through and they can take care of their bodies. When you sit back and think about that, Tabitha, it's <laughs> pretty amazing right? that God <laughs> says, I'm going to love on this woman in Taiwan yes. from Brentwood, Tennessee through what? a computer screen. And he's using you to do that, yes, to love and, and care for this woman. You know, it makes me think, you said you had scoliosis when you were eight. And it makes me think in the Bible where he says, why was my son born blind? And it was so the Lord can get his glory. And that you being having scoliosis when you were eight has moved all the way forward to the Lord getting glory in ways that's crazy, right? It, it really is. And seeing yeah. his, yes, the thread through all of that. Yes, so Beautiful. great. Well, Tabitha, as we wrap up, you know, if you've listened to the show, we like to ask every guest this. If there's just one piece of advice you want to leave with women who want to honor God through whatever he's called them to do, um, what would you tell them? I think my biggest piece of advice would be to lean in to who God's called them to be. Because sometimes I think I could have missed this if I had chosen to not see how God had so uniquely gifted me and used my past experiences to put me exactly where I am to do this work for him. I could have missed it. And the longer I've walked with Jesus and learned, what, how am I gifted? How has he wired me? What plan does he have for me as his daughter? That's, that's what I would give, is just for women to know, the, the more you step into you're a daughter of the king and he has a plan for you, that's going to allow you to work in your workspace in ways you, you didn't see coming. And just to take the one step that he might put in front of you, you may not see it all just yet, but just the one step yeah. to know him more and to see yourself as a daughter more and how he has is, is developed and gifted you. You just don't know where that'll take you, but trust him and lean into it. That's, that's the message of women in work right there. You just yes. hit the nail on the head. That's our heartbeat yes. here at Women in Work. I love you guys. That's why. It's, like, it's <laughs> yes. This is so awesome. Goodness, thank you so much. Um, just it's, This has been informative and encouraging. I feel like I've learned something today about my own body and health, and I've also just been encouraged. Don't so. tell another mom. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but we also learn things about business and the move of God, and I just right. think that that is just so powerful. It's just it's just, this is why we love doing this. And um, women, you guys got to find her on Instagram. You got you to yes. find her and uh, we'll, we'll spread the word um, uh, about all the good things you're doing, um, Tabitha. So thank, thank you so you. much for your time and coming on. It was lovely talking to you both. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Be sure to check out our website at womenwork.net for today's show notes. There will be more information about today's conversation there. Do you long to study the Bible more deeply and be better equipped to teach God's Word? That's why Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary offers a variety of flexible degree options that empower you to do just that. Through its diverse selection of certificate programs, master's degrees, and advanced degrees, Southeastern desires to equip women to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. Southeastern believes that God has commanded each of us to go and make disciples by teaching His Word and sharing the truth about Jesus Christ. Southeastern would be privileged to play a part in your growth in His Word and your training to fulfill the Great Commission in all of life. To find out more, explore degree options, or to schedule a visit, check out sebts.edu.
And please take a minute to subscribe to our show and also give us a rating and review so more listeners can find us. And with that, we hope you've been inspired to more confidently step into your God-given calling and view your work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. See you next time, friends.